I'm going to read from uh, Genesis in the bulletin this morning. It's in your bulletin. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he enabled her to conceive. But Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Again she conceived, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, This time I, was, I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. So she said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God? Who has kept you from having children? All right, if you turn with me to Genesis chapter 29, we know the story of uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, God called Abraham from Mesopotamia and said, Go to a land that I will show you. And uh, so Abraham left, and uh, then we have a, a, a lot of a lot a couple hundred years of the story of his family. Uh, from about the year 2000 to the year 1800 BC or BCE, and in all of all of the literature of the world that I know of, this is unique to have the story of a family for 200 years and uh, to have details of that family like we find in the book of Genesis. And uh, some of the things that happen are wild. And uh, this is part of the wildness of that story. Uh, Jacob has to leave home because he has deceived his father, stolen the birthright. And so he has to leave home and he goes back to the area of Syria and uh, there he runs into his relatives, his uncle, Laban, and he runs into a young woman, meets her at a well, Rachel, falls in love, and says to Laban, I will serve you for seven years if I can marry your daughter. Laban agrees. Seven years go by quickly, he's so in love. And on the wedding night... She's wearing a veil, and he doesn't realize that he has actually married the older sister. And wakes up the next day, is quite upset that he has been deceived. Laban goes, it's not a problem. Uh, I'll let you marry the other daughter in one week if you give me another seven years. Uh, Laban had prospered so much, that, and so he agreed to do it. So now he has two wives, two sisters. Leah and Rachel, and uh, that is this story. And uh, the Leah is the one who has weak eyes, and she is the one who has children first. And Rachel is the one who is beautiful, 
beautiful in form and beautiful to look at, and she has no children. Uh, the story is quite sad. I'm going to read again what Jim read, chapter 29, uh, starting in verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery. Surely my husband will love me now. Sad verse. Reuben means see a son. See a son. Maybe my husband will love me. She conceived again. And when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. So she named him Simeon. Simeon means one who hears. So the Lord has heard I'm not loved. Verse 34. Again she conceived. When she gave birth to a son, she said, Now at last my, my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons. So he was named Levi, and Levi comes from the Hebrew word for to be attached to. And now she thinks, now my husband's going to love me. He's going to be close to me. I've now borne him three sons. He still doesn't love her. Verse 35, she conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children, and Judah comes from the Hebrew word, word for to cast or to praise. 30 verse 1, when Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. She's upset. She said to Jacob, give me children or I'll die. That's called dramatic. That's how upset she is. Right? If I can't have kids, I might as well be dead. Jacob became angry with her and said, Am I in the place of God who has kept you from having children? Then she said, Here is Bilhah, my maidservant. Sleep with her so that she can bear children for me, and that through her I too can build a family. So she gave, gave him her servant Bilhah as a wife. Jacob slept with her, and she became pregnant and bore him a son. Then Rachel said, God has vindicated me. He has listened to my plea and given me a son. Because of this, she named him Dan. Sounds like the Hebrew word for judging. God has vindicated me, judged me, found me to be righteous. Rachel's servant Bilhah conceived again for Jacob a second son. Then Rachel said, I have had a great struggle with my sister, and I have one, so she named him Naphtali. Naphtali means my struggle. It's funny how all these kids' names are, are coming out of this struggle within the family and this dysfunctional family is where these names come from. Verse 9. When Leah saw that she had stopped having children, she took her maidservant Zilpah, gave her to Jacob as a wife. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a son. Then Leah said, what good fortune. She named him Gad. Sounds like fortune. Leah's servant Zilpah bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am. The women will call me happy. 
Now she's happy because she's got a second son from her maidservant. She named him Asher. Asher is the Hebrew word for happy or blessed. During wheat harvest, Reuben went out to the fields and found some mandrake plants, which he brought to his mother Leah. Rachel said to Leah, please give me some of your son's mandrakes. But she said to her, wasn't enough that you took away my husband? Will you take my son's mandrakes too? Very well, Rachel said. He can sleep with you tonight in return for your son's mandrakes. Mandrake plants were thought to be aphrodisiacs. Uh, For those of you who are younger than 20, you can ask your parents about that when you get home. The word... The Hebrew word for mandrakes, I didn't put it in here. The Hebrew word for mandrakes is based on the same Hebrew root as the word for David. means beloved or means loved one. So it was a plant that was talked of as the love plant, the mandrakes. And uh, Reuben has found the mandrakes and given them to his mom. And his mom, I think, is going to use the mandrakes to get Jacob to love her. But Rachel sees them, and she wants them. And so she actually trades a night with Jacob for the mandrakes. Turns out they work for the person who doesn't have them, though. Um, So, yeah, verse 15, very well. He can sleep with you tonight and return for your son's mandrakes. So when Jacob came in from the fields that evening, Leah went out to meet him. You must sleep with me. I've hired you with my son's mandrakes. So he slept with her that night. God listened to Leah, and she became pregnant and bore Jacob a fifth son. Then Leah said, God has rewarded me for giving my maidservant to my husband. So she named him Issachar. Issachar sounds like the Hebrew word for reward. Leah conceived again and bore Jacob a sixth son. Then Leah said, God has presented me with a precious gift, This time my husband will treat me with honor because I have borne him six sons. So she named him Zebulun. Zebulun sounds like the Hebrew word for honor. Sometime later she gave birth to a daughter, named her Dinah. Doesn't tell us why she named her Dinah. Then God remembered Rachel. He listened to her, opened her womb. She became pregnant and gave birth to a son and said, God has taken away my disgrace. She named him Joseph and said, may the Lord add to me another son. I want more. That's what what Joseph means. Wow, what a story for Father's Day. Um, I'll get, I I forgot I I had some dad jokes on here. We better do them now. Go Go to the first screen there. What do you call somebody, what do you call someone with no body and just a nose? Go to the next slide. Nobody knows. Okay. Dad jokes aren't supposed to be good. If at first you don't succeed, don't try skydiving. What do you call a fish without eyes? Fish. What did Beethoven, why did Beethoven get rid of his chickens? Because all they said was bok, 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 bok. Okay. All right. Some dad jokes for you to use on your family. All right. Lessons from Jacob for fathers. Okay. If you go to the next slide. Lesson one on love. Uh, After reading this, you see Jacob didn't love Leah. And uh, 
The family was messed up and full of dysfunction. Unloved wives turned into unloved children and favoritism among the children. And you ended up with just a family mess. And this mess went on a long time and caused all kinds of problems. You read the book of Genesis, and and this family does all kinds of terrible things, including selling one of the children into slavery and telling their father that he was killed. Um, Terrible things. Stems from the fact that he doesn't love Leah. And I don't know what he should have done. I think you get tricked, and you've got the woman you don't want. I think he should have just stopped with Leah. That's just what I think. Um, he should have been content with that. I got tricked. I married her by mistake. Now I'm stuck. He should have been happy with that. Uh, the family's full of hurt and competition, and we've just read that. Uh, now they get their handmaids involved, and uh, so now you end up with four four women, and um, none of them are fully loved, and just the family becomes miserable. Uh, Third thing there, I put dysfunctional families are not rare, but the norm. And I know many, many of you come to church and you feel ashamed to talk about your families. And you feel ashamed to tell other people some of the terrible things that happen in your families. Don't be ashamed and don't be upset. That happens in a lot of families. The majority of families have all kinds of problems. And uh, if you don't have any in this generation, look at the past generation or wait till the next because there will be problems in your family. And it's because we're human beings and human beings are sinful and uh, wild things happen. Uh, There was somebody in the church who was telling me that they, they did their family tree and found out that their grandfather had two families. Who was that? Is that somebody in here? <laughs> Nobody? Oh, Tom Kendall. <laughs> what, what, what was it? Great grandfather had two, had two families. Um, and you think, you know, that doesn't really happen, but yeah, wild things happen in families. And so Uh, You come to church, you don't have to sit there and feel ashamed of your family like this is some weird thing and and we're bad people and look at everyone else, they're they're good people and they have great families. Uh, Families go through difficult times. Uh, Brothers and sisters who don't talk to each other and don't get along and when you go to family meetings, somebody's ticked off and they don't want to come and like that, 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 that's not unusual, right? That's happening in a lot of families. Um, so uh, the, script, the scriptures are trying to be true to life, right? They, 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 tell, they show you everything. And sometimes they show you the worst things. Uh, number four, wife does not feel loved or safe or valued. And the number one job of a husband and a dad is to love your wife. Love your wife. And... Uh, I heard I heard Ann say Amen. <laughs> on on Wednesday nights we've been studying the book of Colossians and this past week we were doing review and I asked what was your favorite book favorite verse of the book and Roger said wives submit to your husbands. 
Of course, Roger changed that to husbands love your wives. It's interesting when the Apostle Paul comes down to summarize what is supposed to take place in a family between a husband and a wife. The one piece of advice he has for husbands is to love your wives. You can do all kinds of things in a marriage and have have a marriage look all kinds of ways, but a husband's got to love his wife. That's like non-negotiable, that's primary, that's the most important thing that's got to happen, and that did not happen in Jacob's family. There was no love there. Uh, He summarized it that way in Ephesians chapter 5 and Colossians chapter 3. And I wrote down no favorites um, out of the Out of having favorite wives, he ends up having favorite children, and that causes problems. Uh, Joseph gets a coat of many colors, and I think the coat of many colors means he's in charge. He's the boss. And uh, the ten older brothers don't like it when the young teenage boy is made the boss, and that causes problems. Um, really bad things happen in this family, and it stems out of this, a lack of love. Go to the next slide, please, Lynn. One thing Jacob does well, and you see this throughout this story as these children are named, one thing Jacob does well is he teaches his family about the Lord. They, 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 They talk about praying to God, and they talk about God hearing them. And they talk about God seeing them and God being involved in their lives and uh, becoming pregnant because God is doing it. And he does that well because this is not a God-fearing family. These are not girls who who worship Yahweh. But after becoming married to Jacob, Yahweh is the one they, they worship. And uh, you see that as they name these, as they name the children. Uh, so dads, uh, job number one with your family is to teach about God, to teach your children about God. And that's what Deuteronomy chapter 6 and Deuteronomy chapter 11 says, where it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and strength. And it goes on to say, and teach these to your children. And as you're walking in the way, you teach it to your children. And you put it on the doorposts of your homes. And you write it on your heart. And you wear it on your foreheads. And when your children ask you about it, you tell them about the Lord and you teach them about God. Primary for a a father to teach his family about God. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. Paul, summarizing fathers, says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children but raise them in the teaching and instruction of the Lord. That's my translation. King James, fathers, don't provoke your children to wrath, but raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Next slide. Lesson number three. And this is the main lesson from the book of Genesis. God is the hero. God is the hero. After reading that story, you would not realize that this is the family that God is going to use to save the world. That's the family that we just read about. That family is the family that God will use to save the world. Those are the 
11 tribes of Israel. Those 11 babies become the 11 tribes of Israel, Benjamin yet to be born, the 12th tribe. And uh, this is not the family that is the most righteous family. This is not, this is not the, the, the greatest of beginnings. But it's because God can take a dysfunctional family and can do amazing things through that family. And uh, so the next thing I have there is God can take the bad and make it good. God can take terrible things and bring good out of terrible things. Um, if I were to suggest to you, well, just imagine this was my family. And Joanne's here. We have three children. But imagine if Joanne was there with three children, and then I had another wife over there, and she had three children. And then there was another woman that I slept with, and she had a couple of children. And another woman that I slept with, and she had a couple children, and she was sitting over there. And you would be going, he can't be the pastor of the church. <laughs> There's no way. Right? Like, that, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. And yet, God is going to take Jacob and his family and save the world through them. Because God can make great things come out of our sinful lives. And uh, your life will be full of mistakes and sins and things that you have done contrary to the word of God. And yet God can take that and make it work out for good. Laban deceived Jacob. Gave him a wife he didn't want. God's going to make it work. Jacob deceived his dad. Looked like a disaster. God's going to make it work. Reuben is going to sleep with one of these women. God's going to make it work. Simeon and Levi, they're going to kill an entire town and take their women and their children as their own. And God's going to make that work. Judah is going to sleep with the prostitute who has been married to one of his sons who thinks he's a prostitute. God's going to make that work. These boys are going to sell their youngest brother, Joseph, into slavery. God's going to make that work. And you can go on down the line of these terrible things that, that happen in a family, and yet God brings about redemption, redemption from terrible situations that, we, that we've caused. God is the hero of the story. When we go to heaven and we look at the 12 gates of heaven, guess what the gates are going to be called? Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Naphtali, Zebulun, Dan, all the way through. Out of a ridiculous story and a ridiculous family, terrible things that are happening, God brings about redemption. And when we go to heaven, you'll see that. For all time, the power and the ability of God. If you take it down to your life for just a second, that's what redemption is. Thank you, Sam. That's what redemption is. God takes a fallen human being and he makes us to be like Jesus Christ. You don't deserve it. You don't, because you're not the hero. God's the hero. 
And Jesus Christ came into this world so that we could be saved, so that we could be redeemed. And all of the things in our life that should end up in disaster, God can make them look beautiful in his sight and in ours, just like he does with his family. Um, So fathers, take heart today. Number one, love your wives. Number two, teach your family about God. And number three, remember, God, God is the hero. He's the hero. Let's look to the Lord.